us bow our heads together now. Lord, we believe that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In that salvation is deliverance for the body, soul, spirit, and every need supplied. We're here tonight to serve you with all our hearts, to give everything that we have, Lord, to you, to yield our flesh, our bodies, our mouths, to speak as an oracle of God. Lord, we've heard enough of man in this generation. We want to hear from you tonight. And I ask that you would minister to the hearts of your children. You know the needs that are here in this building. And I know that moves your heart, Lord. Oh, God, that as you, as you look upon the needs of your little pride or, or humanity, whatever the situation, and you see that, you're moved with compassion. Lord, we know tonight you're still the same, Jesus. You can look down upon our needs tonight and be moved with compassion and with mercy, Lord, come down and speak to hearts and lives and inspire faith in there so something can happen. I pray, Lord, your blessings upon your children, Lord, every need tonight. Lord, upon this congregation, upon this church, upon this pastor, may your blessings just fall upon every person here. May this be a service that will be long remembered because that we realized that we were in your presence. That your presence became so real, Lord, that we witnessed the moving of the hand of God. I ask, Lord, in the name of Jesus, as we give this service to you and us for your service, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. Good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. amen. Hear the wonderful things that our Lord has done and is doing. Amen. He'll answer your prayer tonight, whatever it is. Amen. He can hear and uh, the feeblest heart cry, maybe even the weakest of faith. But just to call on his name, he's there for you tonight. Amen. So many wonderful things that introductions and, uh, and words that have been said tonight. We so appreciate that. I, I just want to say I, I'm just happy to be here. And, and, and thank you girls for coming and being with us this weekend. Amen. I appreciate all that you've done, every effort you make. Amen. I, I'm thankful that God gave me a godly family. Someone said, Brother Tim, you know, it's a reward. It's your reward for, for all your labors you've done. I said, no, it's just grace. Just the favor of God. And, you know, we, if we got what we deserve, well, Brother Branham even said we'd get hell. So, you know, God gave me a lot more than I've ever deserved. And I'm thankful to him and, and how I appreciate him. Amen. God bless you. If you'll turn with me to Daniel chapter 12, we're already 8 o'clock here tonight, but time doesn't mean nothing to those that are in eternity. Amen. So um, we'll try to, though, um, remember those of you that are not. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 
Amen. Praise the Lord. God is good to us, isn't he? I love him with all my heart tonight. The scripture would say, as you're finding Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, it would tell you in chapter 11, it's just a little phrase I'm going to quote to you. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Verse 1 of chapter 12, and at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. And we'll drop down to verse 8. And I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. And many shall be purified and made white and tried. But the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand. But the wise shall understand. God bless you. You can be seated. I'm going to speak to you tonight on the revealing of sons. We're living in a wonderful hour. It's one of the greatest hours that there's ever been on the face of the earth as God winds up end time events. And it's promised in the end time that there is to come an understanding of people that know their God. In Daniel's prophecy, we see Michael stands up. He sees that at that time there's an understanding that comes, something that happens to cause the elect, those whose names are written in the book, to believe. John also in the book of Revelation, when you look at the end of the New Testament, there in that wonderful book of symbols, the book of Revelation, um, is very, it's very similar as to what is seen in the book of Daniel. And, Daniel. and John sees the archangel stand up. And when he comes to an understanding, that, um, and when this angel stands up, there comes an understanding that has been sealed from other generations. You know, Daniel is a book of revelation to the Jewish people as it's full of symbology as to what God will do for the Jews. And it's important, though, though that we understand when we look at this that we, you know, there is um, not just one seed of Abraham, there's a physical seed, and then there is a royal seed. And we are the royal seed of Abraham by the new birth. So the book of Daniel shows the angel coming to the Jews. And the book of Revelation shows the archangel coming to the Gentiles. 
And we are living in a time of great scriptural fulfillment. God is moving in a very uh, particular way where he is fulfilling the end time prophecies. And we should be under a tremendous expectation because this is a time where there is great things that are happening. This is a time of actually action that where heaven is moving in a way that other ages have never been privileged to see. There can, you know, as, as God works um, sometimes in his mysterious ways, that there can actually be years and years and years sometimes of silence. And then there will be a time of fulfillment. And you are a blessed people in that, that you are living in a time or season of fulfillment where God is actually acting, doing some spectacular, extraordinary things where heaven is pouring out on our behalf as he finishes the, um, the, the pouring out of his spirit upon the Gentile ages. Something that began back on the day of Pentecost where he said in the last days, that's the last 2,000 years, days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And we are here in the day where he is finishing the pouring out, the complete emptying out of his Holy Spirit right here in this last end age. And uh, this is, as I said, is not a time where God is silent, but where God is bringing an understanding, revealing things to this generation as he wraps up the Gentile dispensation and gets ready to take a bride in the rapture. It's a great time where scripture that has been held in darkness for years and years and years um, now has come to light. So we'll look in Revelation chapter 10 and verse 1, we'll see a parallel to the book of Daniel. And, and we see in Revelation 10 and 1, And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven clothed with a cloud and a rainbow was upon his head. You see, this is symbolic of his covenant as God reveals himself in um, his seven colors of the rainbow. As, as you know, God does this uh, uses that number seven in symbology in the scripture, especially in the book of Revelation. And we would see the seven ages and seven horns on the lamb and seven eyes on the horns and seven stripes of blood and all of these, all these things, you know, that God um, expresses himself as, uh, as he descends from heaven with a, as a mighty angel clothed with a cloud and a rainbow is upon his head. What an hour this is. His face is, as it were, the sun, the full countenance of the word of God, the full illumination, not a partial illumination, but the, full, the fullness of his of his revelation coming forth, the enlightenment of God's word and, the, and his power of his strength to this generation. This parallels also the book of Zechariah 
who would say, you know, after a dark and a dismal day, after a time where um, that not much light has been, that there will come a time that in the evening time it shall be light. Because the light would shine on parts of the word even that has never shown on before because God is bringing an understanding to the people of this generation. Amen. And you're a blessed people because for you are as in the days of Jesus when he said, I speak to them in parables. But to you, it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. For I say you are blessed. You know, your eyes have seen and your ears have heard what other generations was not able to see, what prophets and wise men and seers were not able to see, and yet God has imparted an understanding to the people of this last day. Amen. There were things that was once dark mystery that was just rich in symbology, but that other ages walked in partial light and gloomy days, but as he said, but it shall be light in the evening time. And we're here in the time of that fulfillment of a day, of an hour, of a time where light has come in a generation to bring and illuminate the word. Hallelujah, to make it plain before us so that we, there would be no mistake, so that we would have an understanding of the day and our visitation. Hallelujah. And the Bible said, and his feet were as pillars of fire. Hallelujah. His feet as pillar of fire. Where his feet is upon the earth. His feet is as pillars of fire because that's his body. That's his believers. Amen. And where he touches the earth, where the blessed Holy Spirit, where the pillar of fire, that same pillar of fire that was seen in the Old Testament that came on the day of Pentecost, that divided itself and then came individually upon the 120 in the upper room and then filled 3,000 souls afterward and on and on and on and on and on. Hallelujah. What was it? It is God in his church. A triumphant church. An overcoming church. Hallelujah. One with feet that is upon the earth. Amen. It's that powers are, that the powers of, uh, that's in the sea and the powers of the earth is held under the dominion of a body. A body of believers. Hallelujah. Saying that all things are under his feet. And because they're under his feet and you are his body, that means they are under your feet. Hallelujah. I'm speaking tonight to an invincible army. I'm talking to a people in this generation that have been called for a purpose and for a reason to stand here in this last day a people with understanding. Showing that God is in his body and he will be here in the end time with his feet on the ground. Hallelujah. But he's going to do it through a bride body, an invincible army. 
because as a precursor to his corporal coming, he comes first in bride form before we can meet him in the air. Where true sons of God are revealed and manifested in the last day because all creation has been groaning and travailing unto this day, waiting for you to get here. And you are here. I'm talking about sons of God to be manifested. And you are here. Hallelujah. Now is your hour. Now is your season. Now is your time. And you are now the actor on the scene. Others may have been the actor on the scene in their day, in their time, but I want you to know you are the one called in this day. Amen. You're to be the overcomer. You are to be the Daniel. You are to be the Abraham. You are to be the Jacob. You are to be the Joseph. And let me just say, you are to be the Jesus manifested in bride form. This is a glorious day and you have been called to be an integrable part of this day. God can't do it without you because you're his feet. You are where he has the boots on the ground. Hallelujah. Amen. 2,000 years ago, he overcame through the body of the man of Galilee, but he's using your body tonight. Amen. To overcome sin, to overcome the darkness of this world, to stand in this evil generation. Hallelujah. Amen. He had in his hand a little book that was open. And he said, as you see, it was previously closed in Revelation 5, but now it is open. Aren't you glad tonight that we can say we are preaching from an open book? We're no longer preaching from a closed book and trying to pry into it and guess what is in the contents. But because God has opened the book, he has brought an understanding in the last day. Amen. So there, there he is. His, he's conquering. Remember who he is conquering through. As I said, he's already overcoming the man of Galilee. As a man of Galilee, he defeated devils. Amen. But this time he's going to defeat the devil using your body. I'm looking tonight at a bunch of devil defeaters. A bunch of serpent bruisers. Come on, church. That seed of the woman that was seen and prophesied from generations back in the days of, of Adam where he said, I'm going to send a seed. And that seed is going to be a serpent bruiser. I'll bruise the head of that serpent. And I'll tell you, you're not generations or offsprings of vipers, but you are generations and offspring of Almighty God. That just as he was a serpent bruiser, you have been called to be a serpent bruiser in your generation. Hallelujah. The same glory that was in Jesus is to be manifested in a people in the last day. 
And he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roareth. It's a prophetic ministry. And when he cried or shouted, seven thunders uttered their voices. These thunders are the voice of God, but in John's day, it wasn't to be understood yet. Amen. You know, John was a little different from Daniel. You see, Daniel heard it and didn't understand it. John heard it and was going to write it and couldn't write the understanding. It wasn't for them. It was reserved for you to give you an understanding in the last day so you would know your position in the word and you would know the authority to which you have been called to. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea, upon the earth, and lifted up his hand to heaven, and swear by him that liveth for and ever and ever, who created heaven and the things that therein are, and the earth and the things that therein are, and the sea and the things which are therein that there should be time no longer. I won't won't delay the holding back of this to another generation. Now is the time to impart an understanding. Hallelujah. Why? So that people that know their God can do exploits. Are you with me now? Amen. Notice it, it tells you there comes an end to silences. You know, John, John was going to write it. He said, don't, don't you write it. Shh, hush, hush that up. Don't you write it. Amen. But they don't finish there. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he had declared to his servants the prophets. Are you with me now? Amen. Notice, notice this. We'll look at the next verse. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake with me again. You know, a lot of people stop at verse 7. Amen. That's a good revelation to understand God sent us a forerunner. Amen. That's a good under, a revelation to understand there was a message in this last day. Come on. Amen. But look at the next verse. And the next verse said, in the voice, listen, it, it continues. It continues past. It doesn't end with the seventh angel. It continues past and continues on. And I heard the voice which I heard from heaven speak unto me again. Notice he's not finished. He doesn't finish it all. He didn't wind it all up with the seventh angel. He continues on after the seventh angel finishes sounding his message. And he said, go and take the little book which is opened. You know, you don't have to open it. Amen. None of us have to go and and walk into that pillar of fire and get the revelation of the seven thunders. It's already been done. The mysteries have been revealed. Hallelujah, but you've got a job to do, and that is 
you go to the angel and you say, give me the book. And then he said, and eat the book. There's some, there's some exact instructions. Amen. It is to be eaten. It is to be digested. Come on now. Go take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, give me the little book. I wonder tonight if there would be somebody in this building. Amen. That would say, give me. Give me that little book. Give me that portion. Give me that word. Let me have it. I want what you got to offer, God. If you're given something in this generation, I want it. I've got a heart ready to receive it. Give me the little book. Hallelujah. And he said, now take it and eat it up. It'll make thy belly bitter and it shall make, but shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up. And it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I ate it, my belly was bitter. You see, the word causes a war within your inner being. Throwing out unbelief. Throwing out doubt. Throwing out the fears. Throwing out traditions of man. Come on now. Amen. And so is the message God gives us in the last day causes a struggle within you. But I got some news for you. Somebody's going to keep it down. I've seen a lot of people in this day spit it up. But I'm one of those that's going to keep it down. Give it up on what God gave me. I've ate this word and I'm keeping it down. I don't care how be- my belly gets bitter. I don't care about the struggle within me. But I'm keeping that word down. I'm not spitting it up. Hallelujah. Somebody's going to eat it and digest it until it becomes a word, a word out of their life. Because there he says, thou must prophesy again. You see, when if you keep it down, it's going to come up as a word out of your life. Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and, and kings. They that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. It's the time for the bride's prophecy. Amen. To prophesy again. Amen. It was prophesied to the seventh angel. We're not adding to it. We're not taking away from it. We don't need to embellish it. Amen. You don't need me to bring clarity to it. Amen. God said it the way he wanted and he wanted it the way he said it. And I'm satisfied with it. All I'm going to do is eat it, digest it, let it become a life in me, and speak it. 
That's my promise. That's my word. Amen. And when your word becomes the same as God's word, I'll tell you what, all hell has to give way to the name of Jesus Christ. These words of the prophet Daniel were spoke of the people of Israel. It's a promise left to them. However, the scripture is not only to the natural seed of Abraham, but it's also to the royal seed. Amen. You are living in a blessed hour. Amen. It's a time of Michael standing up. Daniel 12 parallels Revelation chapter 10. The scene just varies a bit. And so it's different because Daniel's prophecy is to a natural Israel and their promised restoration where they are gathered in their land. But there's also a spiritual Israel, the royal seed of Abraham, who are also been restored back to their land. Amen. Who are in the homeland of the word of God tonight. Revelation chapter 5 also shows us the lamb standing up to take in the book to remove its seals. You see, the scripture, um, you know, is, is manifesting itself even as we speak. You see, just, just as the resurrected Christ appeared on the road to Emmaus, even so the, the resurrected Christ is appearing to his people here in the last day. Amen. Where he walked with his disciples after the resurrection, he was bringing them an awakening of the meaning of the scriptures. You see, he, in that Emmaus walk, he would actually open up the scriptures to them and point out to them it was written in Isaiah, it was written in Jeremiah, it was written in the Psalms concerning me. Is that right? Because, because the reason why he was having to bring this understanding was because though he had walked with them for three and a half years, that, that um, they were being blinded because it was a terrible blinding coming upon Israel, the Jews at that time. Are you with me? Amen. So they, they were not, even the disciples close by Jesus was not even seeing the purpose of Jesus Christ. And this was the reason of their delusionment. Amen. Because, because uh, and, the, the, and the discouragement they had, you know, that, that they were going through. And, and if you notice when and he had given them specific instructions, you go and meet me. Or, or go, to, go to a certain place and I'm going to meet with you and tarry in Jerusalem and wait there. Until there's power endued from on high. But instead, these, these men are so disillusioned, they're walking the opposite direction. They're going down to Emmaus. But I want you to understand, these were predestinated seed. And God wasn't going to lose a one of them. Amen. So they're going the wrong direction. So he just goes and starts walking with them and begins to open the scripture to them to open their understanding to what was happening in their day, in their hour. Oh, may he walk with us tonight. May he walk down these aisles tonight. May he come right down to your seat tonight. 
Amen. And open your understanding to the day, the hour that you are living in. That you'll know what your message is. What your purpose is. Amen. Because our purpose is more than just to come into a nice little building and a nice little church and have something as nice as we did in the Baptist or Methodist or Pentecostal or maybe even a little nicer than we had back there. Our purpose is more than that. It's more than just a church membership. It's more than being a pretty good Christian. It's more than being a denominational-minded individual there that in and out and up and down and has no passion. Amen. But I'll tell you, when he revealed himself to them, he, they had a passion to get back there to Jerusalem to tell the rest of them, and he appeared to me. He came to me. He turned my life around. Amen. He came to me. He revealed himself in a particular way. He opened up the scripture. When our eyes were open, we knew him. I say, God, open our eyes with the blinding that's going on in Laodicea. Open our eyes to the revealing of Christ. No matter what, you, what direction you're headed, that resurrected Christ is is there to reveal himself to you, to get you turned back around. Amen. To bring you back to the promise, to bring you to the realization of the scripture that is being fulfilled in this hour. Now, once again, it must be fulfilled, even as Jesus would say to them that in all things, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And I want you to understand, he brings it right now down to this hour, to this day, and he says, it, all things must be fulfilled. Amen. All things of the Old and the New Testament must be fulfilled, which were written. Amen. In all the scripture concerning the bride. In this end time. Hallelujah. And then the Bible said he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Hallelujah. An understanding came that wiped away the blindness of the age. Hallelujah. You see, Jesus, he, he was not affected by the blinding of the age. But he would look into the scripture and he would see himself as Jonah was in the belly of the well. He would look back to Abraham and he would say, um, and see himself there. And he would say, before Abraham was, I am. He would look and see himself in Solomon and say, but a greater than Solomon is here. Amen. He relied on the scripture to tell him his day, his hour, his moment, because the scripture must be fulfilled. Amen. If I can get something to you tonight, the scripture in this day must be fulfilled. Hallelujah. And he opened their understanding that they might understand the scripture. Oh, God, strike our hearts tonight with that understanding that comes to your heart. 
that gives you a passion for God, a passion for truth. Daniel wanted to know, but it was not time to know. John wanted to write it, and it wasn't time for it to be written. And Daniel would say, oh, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? But there comes an end to the lack of knowledge. And he said, go thy way, Daniel. Come on now. For the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. There comes a time where understanding comes. And this understanding comes so that it can manifest all the scripture that has been written of sons of God. Hallelujah. Now he says here, go thy way, Daniel, verse 9, for the, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end, but many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall be shall do wickedly and none of the wicked shall understand I'm glad he didn't stop there but he said but the wise shall understand amen oh I want to be purified I want to be made white amen but I also want an understanding I want to understand my day my hour my visitation Amen. God does some extraordinary things to get you to believe. Get you to recognize your day and hour. He does extraordinary things to get you to start having faith. You know, he wondered himself as he had mused and looked on far ahead. And he says, I wonder when the Son of Man cometh, will I find faith on the earth? Is that right? Amen. He was looking down and was wondering if there would be faith. And actually, friends, he, he can look ahead and see there wouldn't be any faith. We're in a faithless age and a faithless generation and a faithless society, even among faithless churches that call the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And we were all in that kind of condition. But God was so determined that he would have a bride. He would send Elijah the prophet to turn the heart to faith again. Amen. So he saw that there would be a need to send some extraordinary things to turn your heart from unbelief to faith. Amen. Because he said, if I don't send Elijah, I'll have to just wipe the whole thing off with a curse. Hallelujah. Amen. Now in the days of Sarah, Sarah, you know, she was, she was in years of unbelief. Not just days, years. You know, maybe she started off with a hope. You know, and then every year it passes. You know, she, she's the barren woman and, you know, and, and despair gets worse every year. And then she reaches a certain age and she gives up. It ain't for me. I can never do it. 
I'll never have this child. I'm past childbearing. Amen. Now God would allow her to get way past childbearing so he could show that this was not a child of man, but this was the seed of God predestinated to come forth. Hallelujah. Amen. And God would do some extraordinary things to start getting her heart to believe. She was, if you even listen to Brother Branham about it, he would talk about Sarah and even her attitude. She had a rotten attitude. She was so full of unbelief. It ain't for me. And, you know, and, and he said that day when the angel comes, she was no, in no mood to even receive it. Maybe that's the way you are tonight. You're just not in any mood. I've heard of a God and I've heard he can do and he's done it for this, but I ain't in any kind of humor to receive it for myself. But God is a God that will not allow his seed to sit there in unbelief in a faithless situation. He'll do extraordinary things to cause them to start believing. Hallelujah. Amen. God would actually pull from the elements. Create himself a body. Amen. You stumble about squirrels. God created himself a body. Pull the elements out of the earth and pull them all together and step right down into it. And God began to walk down among Abraham and Sarah because God was determined that this little woman who was a part of the promise would not remain in unbelief. Well, if God was that determined for Sarah, how much more is he determined for his bride in this last day? I will not leave her sitting in unbelief. Extreme things. Amen. I'll do extraordinary things, but I will get Sarah to start believing. Hallelujah. You ought to know tonight God ain't going to leave you sitting in a lukewarm, complacent condition. Amen. God's going to do the extraordinary. I'm looking for extraordinary things in this service tonight. Amen. God using some extreme measures. Amen. She sat for years and years in unbelief, but it would take an awakening of her faith. Amen. Amen. That's what we're saying. Now, you see, it isn't that the faith isn't there. Amen. There needs to be an awakening. Faith has gone dormant even today in too many souls. We have allowed the confusion of the age to crowd out the voice of God. And it isn't that the faith isn't there. It is that faith needs an awakening. 
to realize that you are the generation. You are the people chosen. You are the one that he said would be delivered. Everyone whose names are in the book. Is your name in the book? Well, he's destined you for deliverance. And he ain't going to leave you sitting down in unbelief and darkness and lukewarmness in a backslidden condition. This God will go to extraordinary measures to reach right down to where you are. God would do extreme things. He would take on flesh so he could change an old grandma, 90 years old, and change her and make her so beautiful insomuch that a king would want to marry her. That's pretty extreme. Hallelujah. Amen. You think about Sarah. I'm thinking about another old woman who's been barren for 2,000 years and she's been decrepit in unbelief, walking around on her old cane of doubts and fear. But I'll tell you, you have had an awakening. Faith has started coming in your heart and you begin to straighten up and you begin to realize, I have been called. I have been chosen to bring forth the seed, the life in the last day. Hallelujah. tonight. The church that was barren for 2,000 years is now pregnant. It's beginning to show. Faith is coming to your heart and keeping your soul who she is in this last day. Hallelujah. God said he would go to the extreme to get his people to believe. He will have a bride and he will have her ready. And he'll do extreme things to get her ready. Amen. In the first Exodus, God went to extreme things. Amen. To get Israel in her homeland. This was necessary to get her from unbelief to faith. To get her back to believing again. Satan had Israel so bad, beat down and defeated in slavery until it would take extreme measures. Amen. To give them faith to believe. Come on now. Amen. It would actually take the word to have to create things, to call for frogs, lies. Amen. He would actually, he would actually, the word would actually do things, go out in creation. That was way beyond the magic of the of the Egyptians. Amen. That was so extreme. Come on, church. God wanted his people to believe. Amen. He had to give them a faith. Amen. To get up out of that old. That, that old slave camp 
Leave that old home of bondage. Leave that slave master behind and get here and follow this prophet in an exodus. Hallelujah. Amen. In, the, in Exodus from sin, when Jesus came, had Jesus only hung on the cross, he would have just been one of those nameless Jews that had died under the Roman powers. That's pretty common. They did it for any reason, for every reason. But because God did extreme things, there were angelic visitations that would even announce the forerunner's birth. Amen. To make him, make him a forerunner of his, of his coming. God would do something very extreme. He would take an unmarried woman, a virgin, and bring forth a child in her womb, having never known a man. Now that is pretty extreme. Amen. This has never been duplicated. God took a girl who had never known a man and that which was conceived of her was the Holy Ghost. Amen. Jesus, Jesus, in his ministry, he took it even to a higher level of doing extreme things. Amen. His miracles were extreme miracles. Amen. Think about it. It was thousands and thousands of years of Jewish history and perhaps never a blind eye opened, but Jesus would take a man with no eyeballs and he would take and spit in the dirt and get that spittle of clay and roll it around in his hands and he would make an eyeball and would stick it in an empty socket. Amen. And then take and spit again. And he would take that and he would roll another eyeball and stick it in the other socket. And then he would say, now go and wash the excess out over in the pool of Siloam. And the man came back seeing. He had eyeballs. He could see. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. God was doing some extreme things. I can just imagine, brother, when Jesus did this, he reached down and he says, you know, this reminds me when I made man in the beginning. And when I created, when I formed his body out of dust, and I made and made out those sockets there with my thumb and I rolled out to my balls of clay and I stuck it in there. Amen. Then I breathed upon it and said, live. And the breath of life entered there, but light came in the eyeballs, in the ears and everything else. The creator was standing there again doing some extreme things. Creating eyeballs all over again. Hallelujah. Amen. To get people to believe. Amen. There he would heal the sick. He would raise the dead. He would let 
Lazarus not, not just get sick and have a healing, he would wait until he dies. Then he's buried for four days. Amen. So there's no question. And then he would say, roll away the stone and call his name. And a man who had been dead in the grave four days come out of there. Hallelujah. Amen. What was it? God was doing extreme things. He would do it until demons would actually beg him. Beg him not to torment them anymore. Amen. The tormentors, devils, themselves, crying out. Are you with me? Crying out, don't, don't, don't torment me. I want to get something to you, friends. Amen. This is what he did in his body 2,000 years ago. What is he wanting to do in his body tonight? Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Even so, God would do some extreme things in this last day. Amen. I, you know, I don't have time to go in it tonight, but I, th- I think if you just look up some of the history of little David Walker, nine-year-old boy, that he would call to the ministry. He was just as a five-year-old boy, he got he got um, blindness in his eyes, got an infection. He went blind, and um, you know, he at five years old, he asked his daddy if he could fast. He said, "I feel led to fast, daddy," and daddy said. Uh, let me fast for you. I said, you're too young to do it. And he said, no, I, I need to fast. And this five-year-old boy began to fast. He fasted for three days. And after the, on the third day, after he had given up, and he was discouraged because uh, that nothing had happened and he was still blind. He, had a, he heard a voice that spoke out and above him and he said, look up. And he opened his eyes and he could see. And this little five-year-old boy began to shout and speak in other languages. Nine years old, he had a vision of heaven for five hours, were transported there into heaven and then was told to preach. Amen. He went to his daddy and said, Daddy, uh, God called me to preach. He said, yes, son, one day God will use you. I'm sure you'll be used for the glory of God. He said, no, I'm to preach now. And, and little nine-year-old, little David Walker. You ever hear of him? Amen. It's on the tapes. Brother Branham talks about and preaches with him. Come on. Amen. And little David Walker there told his daddy, well, daddy, you know, I, I've got I've to preach. I've got to preach now. And he said, no, son, one day you'll preach, but not now. He said, no, the, the angel of God told me I had to go preach now. Said, well, son, you're too young. He said, that's what I told the angel. And the angel said, no, you got to go preach now. 
And so the daddy said, well, son, you'd make a fool out of me. You know, you, you know I want to believe that an angel talked to you and you were, I, I know you were out for five hours and all this, but, you know, you're only nine years old. You ain't got no business preaching. You've never preached in your life. And, I, you know, we, we can't get you up in front of people and you preach. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to eat another bite till I get to preach. And he went on a hunger strike. And for one day, he, he went two days and three days. And finally, his daddy runs in there with some food and said, you're going to eat today. He said, well, am I going to preach? He said, no. But you're going to eat. He said, no, I'm not going to eat. He said, okay, okay. Okay, I've got to make a deal with you. You know, I'll tell you, little David, we'll have a time and we'll let you preach. I'll put a little ad in the newspaper and he put one about this big. Because he was afraid of, you know, people coming out and this little boy having nothing to say. I'm talking about God doing extreme things. Amen. And so he, he, would, he, he, would, he would then go and take uh, and put that little ad in there. And he said, uh, uh, ain't nobody going to come. He said, you know, it's a little bitty ad and nobody will come. And, and he rented a little auditorium and he told the woman there that was renting, listen, I've, got, I've made a deal with my boy and I've got to go through with it. And really, you know, I don't think there'll be anybody here, but we're going to have this meeting anyway tonight. They, the doors opened that night and the fire chief came and the mayor and pretty soon there was 700 people in the building. You know why? Because if God calls you to preach, he's going to have somebody that'll listen. Amen. And so he, he started, you know, that, that, um, that particular night, he, he, his dad uh, you know, they got up and sang some songs and whatever. And he said, okay, folks, I don't know what little David's got for us tonight, but come on, little David, and, 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 and speak. And little David took a text, opened his Bible, and began to open his mouth. And some 30 minutes later, the, whole, the Holy Spirit began to take him over. Some 30 minutes later, the altars were full. People repenting and calling out to God. Little David went from there into an international meetings. He preached meetings with William Branham for some services in California and Florida. And he, and, and he would say of Brother Branham, William Branham's gift was unmatched. Nobody has ever been able to impersonate it. Said it was accurate time after time. Amen. So you see, God would do that to take a little boy like David Walker to show it wasn't education you needed. No, it wasn't degrees from a seminary, but it was God calling and anointing. That's what was needed. Amen. Showing again that he would bring forth a capstone as, as Zachariah said, and it wouldn't be by might, and it wouldn't be by, by man's power, but it would be by my spirit, saith the Lord. And God would do that with a little boy to show an extreme measure because he was about to send a, a prophet on the scene with a seventh grade education. 
And he was showing before he even came that God could take a little nine-year-old boy and make a preacher out of him that would win souls around the world because he's about ready to send a prophet. Uneducated, untrained, halting grammar to use him because God was doing extraordinary things. Hallelujah, I'm only one hour now into my two-hour sermon. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. 1933 in the Ohio River, 85 years ago now, there was a voice from heaven that said, as John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Christ, you're sent with a message to forerun the second coming of Christ. Amen. That was God's word. Amen. He said, I'm going to send a message to forerun, to prepare the people for the second coming of Christ. You know, it wasn't good enough for God to do that once. God would do that again and again and again. Amen. In 1946, these are, these are now two prophecies 72 years ago through tongues and interpretation there down in Texas, way down in there. Brother Branham was in a, in a meeting there and, and, a, and someone jumped up, a man jumped up and began to speak in tongues. Another man stood up and interpreted. And it said, as John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Christ, you're sent with a message to forerun the second coming of Christ. Amen. These are not secret things. They're right there. You can read them for yourself. And a man sent from God, written by none other than, than the contemporaries of Brother Branham at that time, Gordon Lindsay and Jack Moore. They were testifying of what God was speaking. Amen. When Brother Branham heard those words, he, he stopped and, and, and came out and said, that man that spoke in tongues, where are you from? And he told him and said, do you know this man here? No, I've never seen him before. And he said, you know, but the Holy Spirit had fallen upon one with tongues and then the other interpretation and began to say the same thing that was said down at the river because God was wanting this generation to understand he was doing something spectacular. Amen. He was sending a message to forerun the, the second coming of Christ. Amen. And then it would happen again. It would happen over in Kansas again. It, would, it actually would happen three different times in Brother Branham's meetings there. But in the, in the third incident, I believe it was, was Anna Schrader who was in Kansas and stood up in a meeting there. This is all the year 1946 and said, As John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Christ, you're sent with a message to forerun his second coming. Amen. It would be, it would be a, a Jack Code that would say, I, I realize when I was there in the meeting, and if I can recall this, 
you know, the, the way that it was. Um, I didn't look at my history tonight before I came, but, but Jack Cole was, was sitting there in unbelief. He come there and he just, he believed that Brother Branham was, you know, was a charlatan. He wasn't really, uh, this wasn't real. You know how it is. He was skeptical. Amen. And, his brother, and, and there was a man there that without eyeballs in the meeting. And, and Brother Branham um, prayed for him and said, in three days you will be seen. Jack said, anybody could say that. You know, the audience will never know the difference. This man disappears and, you know, we won't know because in three days he'll be seen. And Brother Branham on his way out of the tent that night, he walks by him and he pats him on the leg and he said, don't just keep there doubting. You're going to have a ministry like this yourself. You'll pray for the sick also. Well, you know, that in itself thrilled Jack to hear that. But he still was unconvinced. And he waited around in the meeting till three days later. Here come that blind man with eyeballs in his head seeing. Because even he was taking Jack Cole and making a believer out of him. Amen. T.L. Osborne added his voice to the others. He said, the first night I heard and saw Brother Branham minister, I didn't hear a voice. I didn't know it had been said of him. And I didn't know that the voice from heaven had spoken these words. I knew nothing of that. I had not been with any of the other ministers that believed in him. For most of those I was with did not believe in him. But like a voice, and yet not like a voice, I heard it. I know it. It came to me as John the Baptist was sent as a forerunner of his first coming. William Branham is sent as a forerunner of his second coming. Amen. You see, once more God would take men who were called of God to preach in that era and time and reconfirm this time upon time again. That God was doing something spectacular to prepare a people for his second coming. I'm just going to say tonight, we cannot afford to go to sleep. Amen. God has spoken particularly to your day, to your hour, to awaken your faith. God doing some extreme things to let you know that you're in the very cycle, the very hour. You are in the very day of his coming. How can you sit complacent? How can you treat these moments as just another moment in time? I want to ask you tonight, could God have made a mistake? The God who time after time showed himself accurate with his word and how accurate his word could be, could he have made a mistake? Could, he, could, he, could it be that the age would get so faithless and the time so evil and Laodicea would get so bad? 
even that the majority of the AIDS would put him outside his church and God would finally just have to give up on his divine plans and go back into the heavens and forget it all and just become an absentee creator of the earth. Is that possible? Amen. Could it be that God made a mistake saying that this was the forerunner of his second coming? Could it be that God misjudged that? That there would be a mistake made or, or maybe he would get off at the end or, or he would go contrary to denominational thinking and all of a sudden God would have to say, I've changed my mind. This man can't be my forerunner. Amen. But, but let me tell you tonight, there is no mistake in the word. God has sent a forerunner to prepare hearts for the coming of the Lord. And it must prepare your heart. You must be one that opens your heart to it and say, God, prepare me. We ought to be a church tonight to say, God, prepare this church as a church. Amen. Prepare this preacher, this man of God for the coming of the Lord. Hallelujah. You see, Gordon Lindsay and Jack Moore who witnessed it and were scribes of that day, they would scream, Bible days are here again. They saw it then. I want to know, has God changed any? Then Bible days are still here. We are in a living in a time of fulfillment of Scripture. And that makes Bible days here again. What an opportunity you have tonight. I mean, why, why, why you could just squander your life away in a Baptist tomb or Methodist tomb or Catholic tomb, but God has given you a great opportunity, amen, for God to reveal himself to you, for him to come where you were walking in the wrong direction, where you were lost out in sin, or you were steeped in the traditions of man, and this God wouldn't let you alone. This God went looking for you and said, I gotta get them to a Pentecost. I gotta get them to an upper room. I gotta get them to a place where they are filled with my spirit because if I can get them filled with the Holy Ghost, they will believe. I'll tell you why the, the reason of so much faithlessness in this day and hour is because people are lacking a new birth. The Holy Ghost will cause you to believe the word of God and say amen. Amen. And, and agree to every word of God so that it can live out of your life. They would say of William Branham, said the story of William Branham is so out of this world and beyond the ordinary. I'm, I'm quoting from a man sent from God. Amen. Something that was wrote now 70 something years ago, 70, 72 or three years ago. And that ought to be the testimony tonight, the story of your life. That it's so out of this world and beyond the ordinary. Come on. God didn't call you to be an ordinary Christian. 
He called you to be a real, born again, blood washed. Amen. Son or daughter of the living God to reveal himself in you and make something out of you than an ordinary Christian. The life of William Branham is so out of this world beyond the ordinary that were there not available a host of infallible proofs which document and attest its authenticity. One might be well excused for considering it far-fetched and incredible. This is what they said. This was 70 years ago. Come on. Amen. But the facts are so generally known and of such a nature that they can be so easily verified by any sincere investigator that they must stand as a witness, God's witness to his willingness and purpose to reveal himself again to men as he once did in the days of the prophets and apostles. The story of this prophet's life, for he is a prophet, though we infrequently use the term, indeed witnesses to the fact that Bible days are here again. It would be the full gospel businessman's voice in, in February 1961 issue that said in Bible days there were men of God who were prophets and seers, but in all the sacred records, none of these had a greater ministry than that of William Branham, a prophet and a seer of God whose photograph appears on the front cover of this issue of, of the full gospel businessman's voice Branham has been used by God in the name of Jesus to raise the dead. Hallelujah. What was it? God has done some extreme things, some incredible things, some unbelievable things. Unbelievable to most hearts, but somehow there are some people here tonight that can believe it. Amen. It has turned you to faith, to believe in the God that did extreme things 2,000 years ago is here in this generation doing extreme things again to stir your heart back to faith and truth again. Amen. Jack Moore would write this account. And I know, I knew Jack Moore as a boy, been in, the, in his services, sat in his church. I was there in some of Brother Branham's meetings there. But Jack Moore wrote this account as he would scream out again, Bible days are here again. And he would report of the first time William Branham came to his church. And he said, surprise and bewilderment were among our mixed emotions that first Sunday evening of Brother Branham's visit to us when we arrived early at our large frame tabernacle and found the Bible, the building so congested that we could hardly get in. This had never happened before on the first night of any meeting. But this was a Branham meeting. 
A steady stream of traffic had wound its way through Arkansas hills and Louisiana valleys that day, reverently tracing the path of this 20th century prophet whose prayers would cause diseases to be accursed, broken homes to be reunited, drunken fathers to repent, prodigal sons to return, feuding churches to stack arms, and make peace and lukewarm Christians to be rekindled by the fire of their first love. That's what the message did back then and that's what the message will do tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. Jack Moore said it was Bible days. He said it was as if Jesus of Nazareth had passed our way. Amen. And he said, you know, it's just like he said, we can almost go back and just close our eyes and say, we're, we're there again. We're there again. We're back on the dusty trails of Galilee and faithful devotion to a lowly carpenter who claimed to be the Messiah of Israel. And, and he said, in our visionary procession, we passed by the place of the tombs where, from which erupted a naked demoniac screaming and hissing an objection to the presence of Christ, but then sat at his feet a moment later and clothed in his right mind. Amen. We were among the jostling mob around Jesus when he asked the abrupt question, who touched me? And saw a trembling little hand of a woman who cast herself at his feet and declared before all the people for what cause she had pulled at the border of his robe and how she had been healed immediately. And then we follow on to Jairus' house and, and Jairus' house and saw the raising of his daughter. We heard the plain words of a deaf and dumb child after his tongue was loosed by the master's touch. And we laughed to see a lame man leap for joy. We clamored for a seaside seat with 5,000 other men who had forsaken the anvil and the hammer and closed the doors of their shops to spend the day hours in rapt attention listening to the wonderful teachers of the divine philosopher. We wept with the women as we gazed on his beautiful face and recognized the sorrow and grief there that spoke of a broken heart and felt that melting, warming sensation from one glance of his kind eyes could bring through the soul. Yes, Bible days were here again. And here was a man that practiced what we preached. Amen. May it be said tonight that we are a church. That we don't just preach the Holy Ghost. But we are a practicing church. Amen. That can have an up Acts 2 experience. Hallelujah, with the same pillar of fire that smote Paul down on the road to Damascus. Happened for our young people, happened for our old people, happened to a church and bring a church back to life again with the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. We don't just preach of a glorious salvation with the fullness of the Holy Ghost. We gotta practice that. 
We don't just preach the promise of divine healing saying God can. We got churches and morgues sitting around the country saying God can. If God will, God can. But it's more than that. We practice that. We not only know that God can, but we know that God will. see the days of Jesus all over again. Amen. It would go on to say it has been well said that unique in Brother Branham's ministry is an amazing gift that enables him to detect and discern the diseases that people have. This manifestation is 100% perfect. This is what they said. Amen. Oh, I know we got scoffers in this day. And they wasn't there. But these were men that were there. But you see, there has to be scoffers arise in the last day because this is a part, that's a part of the rapture. Do you know that? Peter said in the last days that scoffers shall arise saying, where is the sign of his coming? Amen. In other words, what is this all about? He was going to send a prophet, a forerunner. Where is the sign of his coming? Because now since the prophet's fallen asleep, everything remains as it was from the beginning. Are you with me now? Amen. But we're to have scoffers in the last days. And some people's got to fulfill that. I'm thankful that ain't my part. Amen. Hallelujah. But you see, the Pentecostals in that day had to say, it was 100% perfect. He said, it is a continuous and astonishing thing. For Brother Branham is, by the Spirit of God, is able to perceive in seconds. Without error, what sometimes only weeks of observation in a clinic is able to duplicate. This is a mighty sign proving that God is visiting his people. A still and greater and more remarkable than uh, and more recent manifestation of Brother Branham's ministry is a gift, his gift of discernment, word of knowledge that enables him when he is under the anointing to instantly tell the people the secrets of their heart. Sometimes there are sins which people have hidden away and are unconfessed, which hinder them from receiving their healing. I know that to be a fact. I happened to be there the night when, when, a, when a, a man who called himself Mr. Teenage America, whose claim to fame and supernatural powers was being able to take a Shreveport phone book and tear it in half, 
and it was that thick. Oh, yeah, that was his claim, Mr. Teenage America. This is my strength. But a little prophet walked by him and said, you, sir, last night you were out with, oh, God, forgive me. Okay, you've repented. We won't say no more. Amen. Amen. This amazing discernment once manifested in the ministries of Christ and Elisha is profound, unique, and glorious. Its exercise brings a solemn spirit over the meeting and indeed transports the beholder back to the miraculous Bible days. Yeah, Bible days are here again. They testified it back then. I'm shouting it tonight. Amen. Bible days are here again, not only with Bible signs and Bible miracles, but a message. Bible doctrine is here again to manifest and bring forth sons and daughters of God back to the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Amen. But God wanted you to know more than his doctrine. God wants you to know his life. Let me tell you tonight, Bible life is here with the fullness of the Holy Ghost where you don't have just a little part, a little dip of the Spirit that would justify you or a little greater dip that would sanctify you, another little dip that you'd speak in tongue, but for deity to come and tabernacle your flesh to reveal you, to call you as a son. Hallelujah. A born son, a full son, an adopted son. Somebody that knows their God who can do exploits. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, I think it's mockery today to say, well, I'm leaving the message to get back to the Bible or get back to Jesus. That's the biggest mockery I ever heard in my life. Amen. You know, the Jesus denominations portray as Jesus happens to just be one of the three people in the Trinity of God's. It's a Jesus that don't care about what kind of sin you live in. Amen, but he'll, he'll save you and then let you live on in your sins. It's a Jesus that cares not about his word, who despises Bible holiness and, account, and discounts it only as men's opinion. Amen, it is the opinion of the eternal God. Amen, who, who said, and he said this, you have heard it said of old times, Thou shalt not commit adultery, but I say unto you. Here's the eternal God speaking, the eternal word saying that whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after in his heart hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Amen. Adultery with her signifying it's not just a man's fault. Well, this is a man's fault. You know, he's got a dirty mind. He looked, he lusted, so he committed adultery. No, adultery is an act between two willing people. And this shows she is a participant to an act. She was willing. She stripped herself. 
She wore seductive clothes, inviting a man to commit adultery with her in his heart. Amen. A, a lady who is properly dressed is not a party to an adulterous act. But when she wears tight and seductive clothes, Amen. You know, I, we, we ought to be down the road where I wouldn't have to preach holiness. The reason I'm having to preach holiness because we still got unconverted people. And we're having to show them there's a sin problem in your life. And that's why you're living unholy. That's why your bowels look like you're melted and poured into it. That's why your clothes are see-through. That's why your dresses are above your knees. That's why all of these other sinful things and seductive ways are going on. You need Jesus. You need a Bible Jesus that'll give you a Bible holiness that'll teach you some modesty. Oh, I know you wish I'd have quit preaching a while ago, but I'm preaching right now. Amen. Hallelujah. I know this isn't the opinion of Hollywood. It's not the opinion of the world. It's not the opinion of these churches out here, but it's Bible doctrine. It's a Bible word. It's a Bible truth. And it was sent to deliver you from sin. So you can be a people of faith instead of unbelief. Come on now. Amen. We're preaching Bible days are here again. And how are you going to have Bible days without Bible doctrine? You say, well, I, I'm just going to believe the Bible. Well, then what, where is the Bible teaching then? Amen. Well, we'll follow a Bible Jesus. Well, this is how a Bible Jesus preached. He preached the Bible holiness. Amen. And if your Jesus says you will make it to heaven cross-dressing, wearing man's apparel, when his unchanging word says it's an abomination to God for a woman to put on a garment that pertains to a man, and yet you think you're going to go to heaven from that in God's face, that which he hates, Amen, it ain't gonna happen. Let me read to you what God, what God says about heaven that people think they're going to. In Revelation 21, 27 of that city, and there shall be in no wise enter in it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let me tell you, you put on a man's garment or a man put on a woman's garment, there's no place for you in that city because you're an abomination to God's sight. Amen. The Jesus of denominations ain't gonna preach that, but the Bible Jesus will preach, a, uh, will preach it and a Bible preacher will preach it and Bible people will believe it. So, well, that's... You know, people say, well, now, now, that's just not the opinion of our church. Well, that's the problem. Men value the opinion of the church over the opinion of Christ and the Bible. It's time. You want to go back to the Bible? Well, then go back to the Bible. Go back to the Jesus of the Bible who called sin, sin, and right, right, and wrong, wrong. 
who preached a holiness that without holiness no man shall see the Lord. You got men wanting to doll themselves up and wear some sissified shorts and necklaces and bracelets. I mean, you're not to wear anything that pertains to a woman and to do so is an abomination. It's something that God hates and detests. God said it ain't welcome in my city. Well, if it ain't welcome in his city and I can't wear it there, I ain't gonna wear it here because it wouldn't welcome his presence now and he would reject me then. Hallelujah. Amen. That Jesus, the world is offering, said there's many ways to come to God. That offers tolerance and acceptance of any behavior and almost any sin. Huh. Amen. It's a Jesus said, just try to be good. You know, and spread a little goodness in the world, but demands no change of behavior. Amen. No change of nature. You got people sitting on the pews who have never received the Bible Jesus, and that's why they're into pornography. That's why they're, they're into the things of sin and, and unbelief. That's why they're, they're struck and they're addicted to this gaming out here. Amen. You're to have an addiction, and that addiction's to the Word of God. Amen. It's a Jesus who offers a Catholic theology of a trinity of gods, with Jesus only being one of the members of the Godhead. We got 3.5 billion people in the world called Christians today. There's more than that in the world, but that's how many there are Christians. 3.5 billion Christians so-called in the world, and most every one of them are following a Catholic theology of a trinity of gods, with Jesus only being one of the members of the Godhead. But Bible doctrine does not say that Jesus is in the Godhead, but that the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in Jesus. Hallelujah. Bible doctrine teaches there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Amen. That is it. But you see, church energy, it will offer you anything. The world is offering the mind out, the mind altering wine of its adultery and offering you a drink. They tell you just drink of it and you'll, you'll lose your, you know, and you drink it, you'll lose your senses. Now, wait a minute. I just read you in the Bible that you were to take this word and eat it. They are offering you a cup and saying, drink it. Amen, just drink it. You'll lose your senses. You'll lose your vision. You'll have an ecstasy that it's all good, it's all fine. And now then your vision will blur and makes one God into three different people. I know of people around the message that drank some of that and they saw two of them. There's two lords for them. Look like they, you know, look like we would have got established on the rock the revelation of who Jesus is. Amen. But instead of that, we're taking a philosopher somewhere. I tell you the problem. They need a new birth. 
And when you get a new birth, your faith will be there on that anchor of knowing who Jesus is. And nobody will ever sell you a two-lord or a three-god doctrine anymore. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. The church by and large is called a whore because she left the Bible Jesus that she was married to and taken in the seeds of theologians. And that's what makes her a whore and so deny his name and salvation when the Bible said there's only one name given under heaven whereby men must be saved. It's not an option. There is one name given under heaven. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. But you see in the last day in Laodicea, he's put out of the church. He's unwanted. He's unloved and he's undesired. Hallelujah. Amen. For those of you who are interested, my timer just went off. Hallelujah. I set that for you so you would know that I was conscious of your time. Amen. But you see, the Bible said the world will be under a deception. Amen. Paul called it a great falling away. Say, well, doctrine isn't really important just as long as we got love. Well, 2 John 1 and 9 said, Whosoever transgresses and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. You don't abide in the doctrine of Christ, you have not God. Amen. There's a deception that is going on as people are there, you know. And you say, well, now, Brother Tim, I tell you, your preaching was good, but you made me a little bit uncomfortable. Amen. I do hope it does make you a little uncomfortable. I hope it calls a, a faith to start stirring on the inside of you and you decide, you decide, I'm going to serve God with a passion with a drive to know his word and have a love, a love for truth. Because everybody that don't have a love for truth will be damned. Amen. I'm not wanting you to hate people. I want you to hate sin. Amen. Notice now, again, as we go down, I'm going to skip. For, for those of you, I'm going to skip a bunch of things. We'll try to get, get, get it down to you just for a minute. But I want you to know we are to come back to a Bible Jesus. A Bible look. A Bible walk. A Bible water baptism in his name. A Bible baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You don't find church joining with the Bible Holy Ghost. Amen. You don't just have somebody come up and recite a creed and say, I believe God sent a prophet in this day. Oh, you got the Holy Ghost. It's more than that. Amen. The eternal prescription is repent every one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for this promise is unto you and to them that are far off even as many as the Lord our God shall call and in that day you shall know that I'm in the Father, the Father in me and I in you and you in me. 
Hallelujah. You shall know. It ain't something you guess about. It ain't something you wonder about. It's not something that happened to you and you didn't know it happened. It happened and you know it because of people that know their God shall do exploits. Jesus, where once again the Bible is the supreme and final authority. Amen. Do you know the revelation of deity to this last age is the amen of God? And when God says amen to something, ain't nobody else better add anything to it. Come on, church. What we heard in this day was the wigged one. The Supreme Court, the eternal judge, gave you a message to prepare you for his coming. And he can't change his mind about it. He's got to get somebody to believe him. Hallelujah. Don't you know what day we're living in? In that day, Michael shall stand up. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven. Don't you realize what has happened? Michael has stood up. He that is like Jehovah has stood up on the behalf of his children to do extraordinary things to get you to believe in. Are you with me now? Hallelujah. You were given examples a while ago. You know, and you were shown little Drew who was down here. That little boy couldn't walk. He couldn't crawl. He couldn't pull himself up. He was 18 months old. The vision had happened some earlier in May. This is over in August. His grandmother, my wife, Sister Karen there, had had a brain bleed this big. And the doctors looked at it and said, there's not any hope. But we happen to believe in the Bible, Jesus. We happen to know a great physician. 
and I gathered. You see my daughters there, every one of them godly children. My son-in-law's wonderful men. My, my, my son was there, and they, we gathered together as a family. And mother was laying in the ICU room, and I said, let me tell you something, children. We have been trained for moments just like these. And we are believers. I said, that's what we do. Amen. We believe. And as I said that, it came out of my mouth. For I could catch it. It came out of my mouth. She will be in the IC room tonight. She'll be in a regular room tomorrow night. And the next night she'll be in her own bed. Hallelujah. And it happened just that way. But you know, she had lost her eyesight. She couldn't see. Peripheral vision was gone. And there she was laying in bed, still weakened from the stroke. You know, sometimes, you know, you get up healing, and it's a process. It doesn't happen real instantly all the time. And you have to keep believing. Amen. Keep believing. You don't start doubting. You keep believing. You keep confessing it. It's God's word. He gave the word. If he's done this far much, he'll do more. Amen. My daughter Bethany was living in our home with her, her and her, her, her husband Michael and their two children. Little, little baby had never crawled, never 18 months old, undeveloped hip. Doctors had said, you know, uh, of its condition. And there it was. She comes in, sets little Drew on the floor at the foot of the bed. Walks over to her mother. And her mother is sitting there thinking, what has happened to me? Oh, oh, what's my life going to be like? I, I'm having to be helped to the shower. I can't get up on my own. I, I'm here in this bed. That way, you know. What's my life going to be like? And all of a sudden, she changed and began to think of Jesus. How wonderful he was. How great his word was. How much she loved him. And she raised her hands up and began to thank God and worship him. And here he comes sweeping down into the room. And as he passes over the bed, her eyesight comes back. Goes right down past the bed to where little Drew is sitting on the floor who has never walked, who can't pull up. And the Holy Spirit sweeps down by the end of the bed. Hallelujah. And it sweeps over little Drew. Up he stands. There he stands in a, in a run. And he runs all over the house. Why was it? Michael stood up. God was standing up on the behalf of his elect. 
Hallelujah. You saw Mariah sit here, stand here a moment ago. Let me tell you, Mariah there had lost all her hair. It was all gone. Doctor said it would never come back. It was incurable. It would never come back. Just get ready to live that way. But she was not happy to live that way. Amen. And I happened to be preaching there on a Sunday morning, began to speak about 1 Corinthians 11 and how a woman's hair is a glory. And as I was preaching that, I come down the end of my service and I looked out there and I spied Mariah and I said, you know, it ain't right. We got a word. We got a word of promise. Amen. That, that, that the hair is a woman's glory and the devil has robbed one of our daughters of her glory. But we're here to take it back. And I called her down and cursed that thing in the name of the Lord. And listen, God restored the glory back. Why am I telling you that? Because if the devil has robbed you of your glory, if the devil has robbed you of your experience, if the devil has robbed you of your first love, God will restore the glory tonight in your life. He's a God who does extraordinary things. And if the devil has taken away your vision, well, that you are blinded and can't see but a God in the past and you, you have lost your hope and you're there in blindness failing to see your day and hour. The angel of God is here tonight to sweep through this building and restore your eyesight and give eyes to the blind again. Even if he has to, to spit in the clay and roll out an eyeball, he's going to have a bride that'll see. The other day I was by the school of the deaf and dumb in a little rock, Arkansas, and looked over there and saw that building where in 1946... Amen. Passing there through that, 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 that town, Brother Branham came to Little Rock, Arkansas, was taken to the school of the blind, the deaf, and the dumb. And, the, and there in that one visitation, 152 deaf and dumb people received their ears and began to talk. What was God? Not, not just one, 152. If God could give the, the ears to 152 deaf and dumb children, what can God do with your ears tonight to cause you to start hearing and believing the word? We had Whitney up here just a moment ago. Amen. What was that? A barren church. 
Amen. We've been barren for 2,000 years. But the good news tonight, I don't know about you, but I begin to feel a little something stirring on the inside of me. There's something kicking. There's a life in me kicking. Push it out. Hallelujah. Some movement that is happening in the womb as a barren church starts believing. If that ain't enough, when I visited this church, when that man was laying there dead in a hospital, you say dead, he was brain dead. That man lifeless there, brain dead, gonna harvest his organs. But we didn't accept that because God is doing extraordinary things as he reveals himself in sons and daughters of God. If God can take a dead man and raise him back to life again, God can take a dead church and fill it with the Holy Ghost and the power of God. A people that believes in a Bible God, a Bible doctrine, a Bible truth, because Bible days are here again. Now you accept your deliverance tonight because God's doing some extraordinary things. Hallelujah. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Turn my heart, Lord, to faith, to believe with all my heart. Hallelujah. Raise your hands and praise him right now. Glorify the name of God.
my God is awesome. Oh, yes, he's awesome. Oh, he's awesome. He's awesome. Oh, my God is awesome. The Savior of the whole world, O giver of salvation, it's by His stripes I'm healed. Let's sing it one more time. Oh, my God is awesome. The Savior of the
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is your testimony. This is your life. Your proof. Brother Ron, I want proof that this message is true. Look around. someone else to catch it but, but you. you that's what this meeting is about Lord, this is part of the rally this is life this is life this is life what he's talking about is a rapture more than just holiness life God's going to take that and put it in a rapture hallelujah there is going to be a new world. I'm going to be in it. Brother Tim talked about the things that wouldn't be there. But I'm going to be there. Oh, yeah. this, will be the, this is the quietest world you'll ever live in. my addiction. 
And I like it. You just keep pouring in. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. We love you with all of our hearts. I'd love to shake every one of your hands and tell you how much I love you, so I'm going to ask you by proxy. I'd like for you to shake your neighbor's hand and say, we're certainly in love you with all of our hearts. And Brother Ron loves you too. This, this isn't it. This isn't over. This isn't over. I realize some of you will go home for your meetings at home, and I know many of you are going to, I know many people are going to drive home in uh, four or five hours in the morning to be at their service, and I, but I want to thank you for coming. I really want to thank you for coming. And I, I, I pray that God would bless you here. But those that are staying, there's more drink getting ready to pour out. Brother Kelly Hildebrandt will be preaching in the morning, and uh, he's a prince, and uh, I love him with all my heart, and uh, our people here love him, and many of you have heard him before, and he's he's more than just a good speaker, he lives it, he lives it, and I like for the message to live, it's more than paragraphs and tapes and books. This message lives. It lives. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Brother Kelly. I hope you rest well tonight. I understand, but I hope you rest well tonight. Amen. We love you. Remember to pick up your drink outside. If there's a bag that's there, you know, God bless you. If it's not there, wish you well. <laughs> Amen. 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 We're going to dismiss you row by row from the front to the back tonight. Amen. Our deacons will do that. Amen. God bless you. We love you with all of our hearts. Amen. Brother Andrew, will you, will you dismiss us in song?